It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Premier Fantasy Football Podcast, powered by Pro Football Network. I'm your co-host for today's show, Tommy Garrett, Senior Fantasy Analyst here at Pro Football Network. You can find myself over on Twitter at Tommy Garrett PFN. And joining me, as always, is my good man and fellow co-host here, Jason Katz, over at Katz, uh, Jason Katz13 over on Twitter. Uh, how you doing, bud? Yeah, doing great here. We are we are diving into these rankings, getting into our, our football mode. It's just it, it's a lot of players. We're another week closer to football, and that's all I care about because, quite frankly, only having baseball as much as I love baseball, I need more. Like, I'm sorry. I need other sports in my life right now. I need football to come back or maybe something crazy again to happen in college football to kind of take my mind off of things. But right now it's, I need football back. So we're going to continue on what we're doing with our ranking series here. We just talked about in our previous episode, wide receivers one through 12. Please feel free to go back and check that out. If you want to see how we got to this point, we're going to continue things off with wide receivers 13, through 24 in the first in the first part of these in part one we were very similar on a lot of these receivers this is the first time we've seen like a lot of change not just in the names that we're finding on this thing but also in the locations um so i think i think these are going to be some really interesting ones to where our individual rankings definitely vary from what they are consensus wise when we kind of put things together and average things out but we got a couple names I think we're both going to agree on up at the beginning. Coming at number 13 for us in our wide receiver rankings, one of our favorite players this entire offseason, and a guy who I kind of teased at the ending of last episode, and that is Cordland Sutton, the wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. It's It seems very much the debate between are you Team Sutton, are you Team Judy? It's like the, the twilight of fantasy football. Are you Team Jacob or Team Edward? Like I am very much Team Sutton in this camp, in this household. We stand Cornland Sutton. We saw him have his breakout in 2019, 72 catches, 1,100 yards, and six touchdowns, earning his first Pro Bowl. He's now a year removed from the 2020 torn ACL, and he actually has a quarterback who we think can get him the ball in an effective manner. Like There was no competition last year between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. They brought in Teddy Bridgewater. The competition aspect was just using air quotes for the public. It was always going to be Teddy Bridgewater's job, and that kind of hampered Corton Sutton. Like, granted, I don't think anyone's expecting him to truly have that breakout comeback year because it's that first year back from ACL. We talk about it all the time with these guys. However, Sutton was still good on the field. It just didn't show up because of some inefficiencies in in his targets. Like, only 51% of Sutton's air yards, which were 1,509, were converted into actual yards, 776. That's going to be so much more improved with Russell Wilson, one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. You also bring in Nathaniel Hackett from Green Bay. 
I love Cortland Sutton this year. I could keep putting him up until he cracks the top 12 for me easily. I think he is the guy in the, to me, he is the best value you can get as a wide receiver three in fantasy. I don't know if it's going to stay that way come drafting because it's starting to move higher and higher. But to me, Cortland Sutton is a cheat code for me. It's a guy who I'm getting on every single one of my leagues who I think his actual value is going to far surpass his ADP in drafts this year. Yeah, right now, Sutton and Judy are really close in ADP. And I mean, Sutton's been mostly mostly going ahead. But to me, this isn't a... This isn't a 1A, 1B scenario. I don't see it that way at all. I see this as a 1 and 2 scenario. I just think Sutton is a much, much better football player. I don't think Jerry Judy is all that good, honestly. He's kind I, of I just, think Jerry Judy is you know, good. I'm not going to take this away from Jerry Judy, but honestly, I don't think the gap is going to be that close between him and Corton Sutton. I think the gap you're talking about a debate is going to be between, between Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy. That's where I think debate is. I don't think it's between Sutton and Judy. Yeah, I don't mean that that Judy is is a bad receiver by any stretch, but I mean Judy is Judy is good, and Sutton has alpha elite wide receiver one traits. And I I mean I, I know that everyone's drawing the parallel of of Sutton DK. and Judy being Metcalf and Lockett, but Sutton's the Metcalf in this scenario. He's the alpha, and he is the guy that has that top five ceiling. Yes, that is Sutton's ceiling. Do I think he gets there? Yes. Probably not. But it's in his range of outcomes. And, man, I mean, we, we're both way above consensus on Sutton, and, and I don't feel bad about it at all. No, I, I have zero guilt about my ranking of, of Corlin Sutton. I, like I said, I can make a case to where he actually slides above. Um, nah, I, mean, I, I say he's a chance he can slide above. He comes, like I said, he's he's 13 for us right now. I mean, it's, I think he's going to have a hard time passing like the Michael Pittman Jr. I could see it happening. Um, I can see him coming above like Tegan's and even Keenan Allen for some people. I think as that high end wide receiver two for us, like we're already bullish on him, but you can get him right now. And as like a back end wide receiver two. And I think he's got so much more value. And that's, and that's the key to fantasy football is you've got to find these guys before they break out. And that's how you add so much more value to your team. I think right now is when you can get Cortland Sutton to be that guy, to be that, that wide receiver one for your roster, you're drafting as a, a low wide receiver two. 14 for us coming right after Cortland Sutton is A.J. Brown, one of these wide receiver trades we didn't necessarily see coming. This one coming, of course, on draft night where the Philadelphia Eagles traded with the Tennessee Titans and then signed A.J. Brown for a cool $100 million to be that wide receiver one. Some people are saying this is going to be a, it's a lateral move. He's going from one run-heavy offense to another. And I get where they're coming from. From weeks eight through the end of the season, the Philadelphia Eagles were number one in the NFL in run rate. However, we're also neglecting how pass happy they were at the beginning of the season, weeks one through seven. They're one of the pass happiest teams in the in the NFL at that time. We're also pretty high in pace of play as well. Nick Sirianni did what a good coach is supposed to do, even though Nick Sirianni doesn't normally get credit for being a good coach. He changed his game plan to fit his personnel. You had a number one option in Devonta Smith, but who else is going to work with him? Quez Watkins? Are you hoping Jalen Rager was finally going to do something, which is still one of my biggest swings and misses in fantasy football. Then you have Dallas Goddard at tight end. They didn't necessarily have that number one alpha. They have that now. You also deferred one of these first-round picks they had to wait until next year to figure out whether or not they need to draft another quarterback or is Jalen Hurts their guy. I think you bring in A.J. Brown to find out is Jalen Hurts your guy. I think we're doing – I think it's a very similar path to what we saw happen in Buffalo 
where Buffalo brings in Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen takes his whole another level. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is going to take a Josh Allen level step, but I think we see that next stop in his progression. This is coming from a quarterback who was already fantastic last year. For the long time last year, he was on a QB1 streak. He was the last quarterback to not have a QB1 start to start the year. I think it was like 11 straight weeks he was inside the top the top 12. You bring in A.J. Brown, he's going to get the volume on this offense. He's a guy who has a touchdown propensity to his game. You asked me last episode, Cats, if I think you know it's Jamar Chase better at getting touchdowns than T. Higgins. Well, I kind of I think it's more just the skill sets. A.J. Brown has the skill set. He is built for yards after the catch. He beats you at the line. He can beat you in open space. You're not going to bring him down for his contact balance. I think he can bring that here and still sit in that 120 target range, which would actually be on the upper end for anything he has ever seen before in his career. I think A.J. Brown has the chance to absolutely destroy it in Philadelphia. I think the run-heavy aspect is being a little bit overblown, and quite frankly, we need to start putting a little bit more respect on Jalen Hurts, who we both have as one of our breakout quarterbacks this year. If that happens, that's because A.J. Brown had a fantastic season for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2022. I love A.J. Brown, the player, but you and I are both below consensus on him. I mean, and and we like him, and we're talking him up, but... We're not lower on him, we're just higher on other guys. We're higher on Court and Sutton, we're higher on T. Higgins. You know what? That's that, that's and a much better way to characterize it. Yeah, yeah. it's not. Way. We're not necessarily low on AJ Brown. I think we're just higher on a couple other guys. But be that as it may, where we have him ranked, we're probably not going to end up getting him because we're we're just a few spots below his ADP. Now it is possible that his ADP drops a little bit as we get later on into into the summer and more toward draft season. Uh, but last season, AJ Brown, thirteen point nine fantasy points per game. It was a low wide receiver two finish. Uh, that was some injuries. Yes, he did, and there are concerns with that this could once again be mm-hmm. a low-volume passing attack, and I'm just not sure if a high wide receiver two finish is necessarily a foregone conclusion, but A.J. Brown certainly has the talent in him to finish there or even higher, especially if Jalen Hurts does take that step forward. Yep. Coming in Speaking at number 15. Uh, Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. You, you can take it. Know. You can take the segue. No, right. I want to say, speaking of here. wide receivers with incredible talent that have high wide receiver two upside, D.J. Moore. But the fun part with DJ Moore is we have a different scenario happening here with the Carolina Panthers having acquired Baker Mayfield. Funny enough, this is going to be the best quarterback DJ Moore's ever played with. And he's already coming off three straight years of 1,250 scrimmage yards or more. He is the only receiver in the NFL to make claim to that. Stephon Diggs can't do it. Devontae Adams can't do it. Literally, DJ Moore is the only guy, and he's done that with very poor quarterback play on his side. Last year, he saw incredible volume, 162 targets, but the completion percentage was awful because the targets weren't that great. Only 93 receptions last year on those 162 targets. Comes in with 1,157 yards, 1,700-plus air yards last year. Ends up a fantastic receiver. I love DJ Moore. He's very similar to Terry McLaurin, one of those guys who I always wish would just be able to hit the transfer portal, go to a good team. I think the upgrade is going to come from Baker Mayfield. Last year, a 28% target share, 41% of the air yards. We know Robbie Anderson doesn't want Baker Mayfield in town, so we'll see if Baker Mayfield wants to target him or not. We'll see if Terrence Marshall also can maybe kind of take that step forward. We don't know. We haven't necessarily seen him do that. I think a healthy Chris McCaffrey is going to help open things up in this offense. Like, I don't know if I'm necessarily I'm bullish on DJ Moore. I don't think he's necessarily going to have that 
wide receiver one ceiling. We all hope that he will. But in terms of like a high volume, high leverage wide receiver two, it's hard to find the volume that DJ Moore and how much he represents to his team. In terms of how much a wide receiver means to their roster, you're gonna have you're gonna have a hard time finding more who mean more to their team than what DJ Moore means to the Carolina Panthers. DJ Moore's biggest issue, aside from the the slew of uh, subpar quarterbacks he's had to deal with, is he just doesn't score touchdowns. He scored yeah. exactly four, four touchdowns in three straight seasons, and all it would take for DJ Moore to go from low wide low, mid to low wide receiver two to a high wide receiver two, low wide receiver one is just some two touchdown touchdowns. variance. I mean, that's it. If, if you if you take his points per game average, which he had fourteen, you add on four touchdowns, so he goes from four to eight. Okay, there's 24 more points. That's about 1.5 more. That puts him at 15.5. That's that's right around the threshold of wide receiver one, two numbers. And I mean, I know that Baker Mayfield struggled to find open Odell Beckham. We saw how Beckham performed uh, in Los Angeles, but <sighs> that's a yes and a no. I, I know, like I've talked about it on a couple different shows that we've had here at Pro Football Network. I think the whole Baker Mayfield saga is a little bit of a a series of unfortunate events where timing never seemed to work out. And I think that chemistry could have been there for Odell Beckham Jr., but that was Odell Beckham coming off an ACL and then also Baker and the team learning the new offense. I, I To me, it was it was less of the Baker-Mayfield connection not working out, which I think absolutely could have. And I think we might see that this year with him and DJ Moore. Once they come together and assuming that Matt Rule it can keep himself off the hot seat for a little bit longer, I think Baker-Mayfield can surprise some people. Be, hey, look, yeah, they could have had this with, with Odell Beckham Jr. All I'm saying is, is yeah, I, I'm with you. DJ Moore... 14 fantasy points per game the past two seasons. That, to me, that to me that's his floor because the quarterback play is going to be at the very least a little bit better. And I, I think there's a, there's a ceiling there because we know DJ Moore is good at football. We know he's capable of commanding a high target share. I mean, last year 28.4 percent. It was the fifth highest in the NFL. And if, if Baker Mayfield can just be that guy we saw as a rookie and just just be an average quarterback, we just need an average quarterback play, and then DJ Moore will be well worth where we have him ranked. Uh, coming in at number 16 is a guy that another guy that we both love a lot and that We're is very Allen Robinson. Compared to consensus. Yep. Yes, we are both way above him uh, way way above consensus on Allen Robinson and I think it's for good reason. Uh Robinson has never had a quarterback like Matthew Stafford. I mean, he is by far the best quarterback that A-Rob has ever played with and this is someone who averaged 16.4 fantasy points per game in 2020 and 15.9 in 2019. Those are wide receiver one type numbers. Last year as the wide receiver two, Robert Woods averaged 15.2 points per game before he tore his ACL. We know that uh, Matthew Stafford can support two wide receiver ones because he's done it. And we know that the Sean McVay offense is very conducive to two productive wide receivers. The wide receiver two has always been valuable for as long as McVay was there, even under Jared Goff. So this comes down to a very, very simple analysis when it comes to A-Rob. Why was he bad in 2021? Was it because of the Bears or is he just done? And if you don't think he's done, then you should be in on Allen Robinson this year. Yeah, I think it's honestly that simple. It's For me, I just put that whole situation of what was going on with Matt Nagy, this whole offense, the quarterback play back and forth between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. Like You throw on Allen Robinson playing on what was the second franchise tag in a row, which you know he was disgruntled in his role up there. Like To me, it was just an awful situation. I, I don't see Allen Robinson being a, a off. I, I don't think he's over the cliff at all. To me, Allen Robinson is one of the most underrated elite wide receivers in the NFL. I, I To me, I, I could not be more happy with this fit. When I knew he was leaving Chicago, like the Rams would have been a dream scenario, and that was even before we still had Robert Woods. Like 
I don't think they had to trade away Robert Woods. Allen Robinson allowed them to, but they could have kept Robert Woods on this team and ran with Cooper Cup, A-Rob, Robert Woods, and Van Jefferson on this team. And then all of a sudden bring back Odell Beckham Jr. in the playoffs. Like They could have done this, absolutely. But when you move off Robert Woods, who was also coming off an ACL tear, and you bring in someone like an Allen Robinson, I cannot be more excited for this. Like You talked about what Woods averaged playing alongside Cup. In that role, in those nine games, it was 7.7 targets, five receptions, 61.8 yards, just over half a touchdown, and 15.9 and PPR points per game. That's a 17-game pace of 130 targets, 85 receptions, 1,050 yards, 10 touchdowns, and 270 PPR points. That is what that role would have equated to. I think Allen Robinson is by far capable enough to take full advantage of that role and maybe even outpace some of those metrics. I love him this year, but there's a reason we are both higher than consensus on him. I'm all in on what we think should be a fan, a fantastic Rams offense that is primed to push for another NFC title and race for another Super Bowl. But a team that's in a completely different spot in their franchise's arc is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this is going to be for wide receiver one for the Steelers, Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson has been the the apple of Ben, ben Roethlisberger's eye. When Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw the ball deep, you know what he did? He looked for Deontay Johnson. That's why in 2020 he had 144 targets, but last year had 169 targets, converting those to 107 receptions, 1,161 yards, and eight touchdowns. Once again, showing that drops are a little bit overrated, unless someone does get benched, which Deontay Johnson, that, that did happen to him. Uh, did happen over that that 2020 season when the uh, when the Pittsburgh Steelers actually finally lost a game, and he saw himself right in the pine, but that didn't change his utilization. Deontay Johnson is one of the most heavily targeted players in the NFL, representing 20 almost 28 percent of the team's targets, 33 percent of their air yards. But the A dot was only 8.5 yards down the field because Ben Roethlisberger couldn't really throw the ball down the field. He was quickest in time to throw and second shortest in his intended air yard of 6.6, coming in just ahead of Jared Goff, who was in last place. I love the skill set of Deontay Johnson. My concern, and why I don't have him as a wide receiver one, is I don't know if this volume is going to be there without Ben Roethlisberger. I think Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, whoever is going to be the starting quarterback, might want to take a few more risks, and I can completely understand why. You've got Chase Claypool. You bring in George Pickens, who I think actually is probably the number two on this team. You still have Pat Fryermuth. You have Najee Harris, too. I think Deontay Johnson is absolutely... I think he'll still be the number one in target share. I just don't think it's going to be the extent that Ben Roethlisberger was hyper-targeting Deontay Johnson. I think, despite the ranking, I'm probably not going to have him on very many of my rosters, as I think someone will take him before I'm comfortable to take Deontay Johnson in 2022. Having to fade Deontay Johnson who was just who was my guy who panned out so well for me last season is one of is one of the most painful things that I've had to do in fantasy football but the reality is I, my concern is that the target share that he will have will be of a smaller pie and target share is more important than overall targets in terms of projecting players but it, in terms of how they actually produce on a week to week basis we need the total volume to be there i don't see the steelers throwing the ball 664 times once again 
What if that number drops to like 580, 570? I mean, if we're talking about something that low, then it's it's very likely that Deontay Johnson, even with a 28% target share, is looking at uh, a, maybe 150 targets. And those are 150 targets from Trubisky and, and Pickett. I do think that Trubisky and Pickett are upgrades over the 2021 version of Ben Roethlisberger. But I do think overall this offense could be worse. And it's possible Deontay only scores like four or five touchdowns this year. There's There's just... There's, there's, there are too many concerns. I don't see that wide receiver one ceiling that he had last year. Whereas with with a lot of guys we have ranked above him, and even some ranked that we're gonna Behind discuss yep. later on, I, I see them as having higher ceilings. The, the reason that Deontay's higher than them is because I do think his floor is higher, and that factors in as well. But in general, it's kind of like a situation where I'm gonna just let someone else take him. Uh, maybe in an auction, I'm okay with taking Deontay if he's cheap. But in terms of that that late third or early fourth round selection. I think I'm probably going to pass on him, but but again, he's still a very talented player, and I wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't shock me if he had another wide receiver one season. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me, but it's like I said, I'm not betting on it happening. As a high volume wide receiver too, in like a PPR format, I like what he can bring there. I just don't think that top tier upside is there compared to what we have seen before. Now things get a little interesting, I think, in our rank because we're kind of see some of the most discrepancies start to take place, and this comes up right here at number 18 with Mike Williams. I have Mike Williams at number 15. I think I checked on your rankings, Katz, and you have him at number 21. So there's a little bit of a difference here between us with Mike Williams. Like so the average is out where he is. And it's that whole question of, do you think he can finally come up and try to surpass Keenan Allen? That's the whole question. For me, I don't know the volume he'll surpass Keenan Allen, but that start that they had last year, I think that's, I don't think it's indicative of what he's going to do all this year. But I also think we're kind of underselling the volume of this offense. Like even last year with him taking a a step back over the second half of the season, he still ends the year with 1,150 yards on 130 targets and nine touchdowns. The upside is there for Keenan Allen and the volume is there. I'm sorry, the upside is there for Mike Williams and he has the volume not completely far off of Keenan Allen where he falls short is going to be in the receptions. It's the the type of targets that he has. Like he's going to be a deeper A-dog guy compared to Keenan Allen who is a route running savant Mike Williams is that guy I can kind of take a deep shot downfield and I think he's going to come down with it where he saw a lot of his value last year was actually a little bit of a change in roles he was working a little more on those intermediate routes instead of just kind of being that go up and get it kind of guy and like Justin Herbert has the arm to take care of that Herbert can also hit every single ball in the field so if we see more of Mike Williams kind of doing that do it all kind of role on this team and not just be that contested catch guy where he was 11th in the NFL in contested catch rate Mike Williams as a wide receiver too makes all the sense in the world for me. It might actually end up being a better value at their ADP than Keenan Allen. I think he'd especially be a better value at his ADP at number 21. So why are you at 21? Like, where do you think our discrepancy is coming from when we look at Mike Williams? I'm going to tell you why I have him ranked at 21. And it's actually a a more macro uh, type of ranking than it is in terms of anything about specific players. When, when, when we're analyzing wide receiver ones in general, the vast majority of wide receiver ones in fantasy are wide receiver ones on their NFL teams. Yeah. So I'm trying to prioritize drafting real-life wide receiver ones over real-life wide receiver twos. And I think we agree that Mike Williams is the wide receiver two on, on the Chargers. And I understand that each player's different, each situation is different, and playing with Justin Herbert is not the same as playing with like uh, uh, with like uh, Baker Mayfield for, for DJ Moore, but DJ Moore is the wide receiver one. And I don't see a world where Mike Williams can ever match DJ Moore's target share, which is why I have DJ Moore ahead of Mike Williams, even though Williams is on the better offense. 
Uh, so it, co- it comes down to that macro level. But on a, but on a more micro level with Mike Williams, it, it's it comes down to what are you buying into? Are you buying into the guy who averaged 23.2 fantasy points per game over the first month of the season, trailing only Cooper Cup in wide receiver scoring during that span? Or is it the guy who, beginning in week six, averaged 11.9 points per game over the remainder of the season? I mean, this is really a tale of two halves. If they're posting really two 20-point games and two 30-point games over his, over his first uh, month or so of the season, Mike Williams only hit double-digit fantasy points five more times the rest of the way, and that was including 26.7 fantasy points in Week 18, which doesn't even count. Uh, I do think Williams will be more consistent this season, and I do want him. I, I, my, my, my issue is just that everyone else is willing to pay more than I am. It's a similar thing with Dante Johnson, where people are willing to pay more than you are for that particular player. It's yeah, it's that's exactly it. And I think it's coming up the case with another one of these guys. You talk about you want that wide receiver one on their team. There is no dispute about Terry McLaurin coming at number nineteen in our rankings is the wide receiver one for the Washington Commanders. Uh, we'll see what he does with Carson Wentz this year. But quite frankly, look, Terry McLaurin, no matter who the quarterback has been, has been fantastic. We go back to his twenty twenty season, had over one hundred and thirty four targets, just over eleven hundred total yards. But it's touchdowns. Only had four that season. Very similar to a DJ Moore kind of level. Last year. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With the quarterbacks kind of going back and forth, ends up with 77 receptions on 130 targets for uh, uh, 1,053 yards, five touchdowns, averages 12.6 PPR points per game, 213 on the season, but it's a volume. Like he ends up representing 42% of the team's air yards, 20, uh, 24.7% of the target share, over 1,700 air yards, which is actually more we talked about than we talked about with Cortland Sutton last year. It was actually one of the highest rates in the NFL for Terry McCorns. They were actually airing the ball out. It's just a lot of those catches were non competitive targets. Terry McCorns. Uh, there's was, one thing that people love to talk about. McLaurin was third in unrealized air yards last year. Yes. Yep. I think one of the things like people talk about is like, well, it, it's a contested catch rate, contested catch rate. Like, I think what a lot of people don't understand too, it's like, it's when we talk about separation, the separation at the point of the catch. When your quarterback is throwing you back into coverage, that is being counted against the wide receiver and not being counted against the quarterback. That was a problem we saw with Terry McLaurin. He gets open, but your the quarterbacks are throwing him back into coverage that's not his fault at that point he's piped and pulled off incredible acts of contortionism up there at the point of the catch come down with it they get Carson Wentz who they traded for this offseason quite frankly Carson Wentz played better than I think he's going to get some credit for granted like 
the only reason Carson Wentz isn't in Indianapolis is because they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the final week of the season. If they could the, go, go to the playoffs, he's probably still in Indianapolis right now. He was able to lower his uh, interceptions, had a fairly decent season, despite playing on two sprained ankles that happened from the same play and making you wonder, is Carson Wentz have a death wish every time he makes a play happen on the NFL field? I think Terry McLaurin absolutely has a chance to be that number one. He's going to be the best quarterback he has worked with, also similar to Baker Mayfield for DJ Moore. Coming in number 19, I think it makes sense for Terry McLaurin, but at the same time, we all saw last year, Terry McLaurin could absolutely disappear and at times wasn't even startable in fantasy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little more bullish on him this year, which is interesting because like I would almost rather take Terry McLaurin at a cheaper price than uh, than Deontay Johnson, which kind of doesn't make too much sense. But I, I think that Carson Wentz is just the best quarterback that he's ever seen, even though I don't think Wentz is particularly good. And we're, and, not, we're not even saying that it's a compliment. Like that's that's the most backhanded compliment you can give someone. Exactly. Uh, but Wentz led Michael Pittman to 14 fantasy points per game last season, and. It, Based on where McLaurin is being drafted, that's all we need from him. And if he he has a little a little bit of touchdown luck, if if, if Wentz just plays better than we expect, then McLaurin could get back to that 15 fantasy points per game we saw in 2020, and that would put him as like a as like a mid to high wide receiver too in in most seasons. So I, so I, I'm I'm perfectly fine taking McLaurin. He's the type of player where I will take him if he falls to me. I'm not aggressively targeting, but I'm certainly not avoiding him. Yep, makes a lot of sense. I get it. Uh, like I said, it's, if he falls to you, he falls to you, but you're not going out of your way to get him. I'll say one guy who I think is going to rise in my rankings the longer and longer this offseason goes comes in here at number 20. I believe for you, he is number 22 in your rankings. Came in at number 19 for me, 20 overall. And that is Brandon Cooks, wide receiver of the Houston Texans. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter what team he is on. It doesn't matter what year it is or what's going on around him. Brandon Cooks just produces. He's done it every single year. He's put up over 1,000 yards in six of his last seven years. And last year overall, ends up with 134 targets, 90 receptions, just over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. End up being a massive piece of that Houston Texans offense, which was still in a struggling state, to say the least ends up with just over 27% of the target share, one of the highest rates in the entire NFL, and 40% of the air yards from Davis Mills, who, quite frankly, played pretty darn good. You can make, you want to make an argument Davis Mills was the second-best rookie quarterback of last year? I don't think I'm going to argue against you. It was Mac Jones. It was probably Davis Mills. Davis Mills actually had more 300-yard games than Mac Jones. I know we heard that stat thrown out there several different times. I don't think Houston's going to be great. Don't get me wrong. But when Davis Mills was starting quarterback, Brandon Cooks was on pace for like 160 targets last year. I think we could absolutely see him pushing close to like that 150 number this year. He's going to stay healthy because I think the whole injury history was way overblown for Brandon Cooks. Like the guy's missed three games since 2024. He's absolutely by far the number one on this roster. They don't really have a running game to lean back on because we don't know who's even going to be the starter between Damian Pierce and Marlon Mack. You've got Rex Burkhead back there. You look at the receivers. I mean, it's Nico Collins, who I like to take a step forward, but he's not really rivaling Brandon Cooks. Then you have John Mechie, who's also coming off a torn ACL that he suffered towards the end of the season for Alabama last year. So for me, Brandon Cooks, you want to talk about volume and guys who are number ones on their team. 
maybe he's actually a little bit too low right here at number 20 in our rankings. What do you think? I think that people don't like Brandon Cooks because he's not exciting. He's, I mean, I guess so- like I, I, maybe, but like, you know what you're going to get and that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm the biggest advocate for upside and ceiling, and, and you, you you want guys that yeah, are going to... But I need floor use. sometimes, too. You exactly. draft guys with floor to allow you to take guys who have ceiling potential later on. Like, Brandon Cooks allows you to take Gabriel Davis. If if Brandon Cooks is going, but let's say, a round or two lower than we feel he should go, then I don't care that he's a floor player because we both believe that we're going to get more fantasy points per game than somebody in that round would typically give us. So, so you, so you can't look at it as like, oh, he's just a floor play. No, there, there's, there's upside there because, because he's literally going to average higher. Yes, he's not going to put up 18 fantasy points per game. We, we know that. But why can't he average 14? He's averaged 13.7 points per game in every year of his career, except for that anomalous 2019 season. Uh, he, he's played at least 14 games in every season since his sophomore season. And last season, he averaged 14.5 fantasy points per game with Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills. I, I, this is a, this is an offense that doesn't have any playmakers. Outside of Brandon Cooks, he is their clear best guy on offense. Uh, he's, he could command a massive target share, and if they're just a little better than we expect, I I, I think that a low wide receiver one uh, season is within his range of outcomes. I know, and that's one of the things, like I said, is why I keep thinking maybe I can see Brandon Cooks moving up a little bit higher. I don't know. We'll find out. But the more and more I look at this Texans offense, the more and more I'm like, you know what? Brandon Cooks truly is unopposed, and I think he's going to have a hell of a year. Um, coming to number 21, I think this is a, I think this one's very much up for debate. I think it's one of the more contentious picks so far that you're going to find in drafts. And that is where do you fall on the side of Jalen Waddle comes in number 21 for us in our rankings. Can Tua support multiple high end fantasy options? That's the question. I think he can. I think this offense coming with Mike McDaniel can support it. You know, we saw Jalen Waddle break last year Anquan Bolden's record for receptions as a rookie. And I think it'd be unfair for all of us to assume that all of a sudden that, look, Tyreek Hill is going to command all the targets and he's going to stop throwing to Jalen Waddle. No, that's not the case. My concern for Jalen Waddle is the range of outcomes. And that makes it hard to nail down. If you get it right and he's still going to target him like we saw last year, Jalen Waddle coming to number 21, he's going to break that. He's going to be a high-end wide receiver too. And he's going to give you wide receiver one weeks. But there's also the chance that, hey, look, they can't support this many. They want to also make sure they have a good running game and they have plenty of depth to do so between Sonny Michelle, Raheem Moser, and Chase Edmonds. You still have Mike Gazeki on this team. What if Waddle doesn't see anywhere near the targets that he saw last year at 141? If you drop that down to like the 115 range with Tyreek Hill seeing that 140 and plus kind of role, then we have some questions about what could happen with Jalen Waddle because last year his breakout happened without really a number two to compete against him. Will Fuller was hurt. Devontae Parker wasn't playing well. Preston Williams also got hurt. Like this team didn't really have any competition for him outside of in the red zone with Mike Zeki. So how do you feel about Jalen Waddle this year now with Tyree Kill? Do you think he's coming in as a bit of a value? Maybe some people are kind of overplaying the Tyree Kill or is, like you kind of alluded to, like where you think how good Tyree Kill is. Are you kind of a little bit more concerned for Jalen Waddle this year than maybe some others are? There are many fantasy analysts out there who think it's going to be very close with Tyreek Hill as the 1A and Jalen Wall as the 1B. And I just don't see it that way. And I, I sure as hell could end up being wrong about this, without question. But I view this as Tyreek oh, yeah. Hill is the clear one and Waddle is the clear two. 
Last season, Waddle averaged 15.4 fantasy points per game on a 24.8% target share. I have a very hard time seeing him maintain that target share with Tyreek Hill in town. And what are we expecting mm-hmm. from this offense in terms of passing volume? Even if we, even if all things are equal and it's the same as last year, but we drop Waddle's target share down to like 22, 21%. I mean, he, he's he's never going to be this overly efficient player based on the way that they use him. Could they change the way they use him? Sure, but but why would they when it worked so well last year? Now they brought in Tyreek Hill to be that guy who they use differently. He had a 6.3 average depth of target last season, one of the lowest in the NFL, and he needed 104 receptions to barely eclipse 1,000 yards. If his receptions even drops by one per game, that, that plummets him down to low wide receiver two territory, which is kind of exactly where we have him ranked. Yeah, like it's... To me, he's just one of those guys who I think has the widest range of outcomes. Uh, and it's similar to Deontay Johnson, I think, for me, where I'm going to probably let some other people draft him before I will. If he falls, sure, I'll take it. I'm sure I'll have him on a couple leagues just for some differentiation. I like having different guys on different rosters instead of being stuck with one guy on all of them. I'll have a couple shares of Jalen Waddle, but I think like on my, my main team's the ones I care about the most, I'm probably not looking his way. Um, yeah, that's just me. Come over into uh, number 22. We have another guy who was changing teams. Kind of been a theme with some of these top-tier wide receivers in the NFL. And that is Marquise Hollywood Brown, who makes the trip from Baltimore, heads out to the desert to Phoenix to be Kyler Murray's number one target, at least for the first six weeks. Because it would seem fairly fortuitous that the Cardinals made this trade for Marquise about on draft day. And then a couple days later, DeAndre Hopkins has popped for PEDs and he is now facing a six game suspension to start the 2022 year. Last year was the breakout for Marquise Brown. 91 receptions on a vastly career high 140, 145 targets and actually does finally pass that 1000 yard marker, which has been a rare occurrence for a Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, no matter what year it was. Ends up with six touchdowns, which is actually a little bit of a decline from the previous years of seven and eight. But the volume that he saw made up for all of that. And quite frankly, is because of the volume of the Baltimore Ravens offense in general. When you lose three wide receivers, three running backs to season ending injuries, it forces you to flip the script. So the Baltimore Ravens had to become far more pass happy than they ever traditionally were. However, it kind of put them in line to what the Arizona Cardinals are. So we kind of saw what Marquise Brown can do with a high target volume. He's now going back to his former college teammate and Kyla Murray. Do you think we can see the same kind of instant chemistry of we have seen with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Tua and Jalen Waddle? Do you think that carries over here to Arizona? How do you feel about Marquise Brown, especially start off the season? And then what do you think it'll be like when when uh, DeAndre Hopkins comes back and he is the number two on this roster since uh, Christian Kirk is now in Jacksonville? Uncertainty can be a very, very valuable thing in fantasy football because uncertainty can create value. And if you're on the right side of it, you could end up with a player who you get for way cheaper than, than you should. My concern with Hollywood Brown is – he's kind of valued as if he's going to be this clear wide receiver one for the Cardinals for at least the first six weeks. And the Hopkins return doesn't seem to be playing that big of a factor. I know that Hopkins had a down year last year, his target share dropped and he just wasn't anywhere near as good as the player that we had accustomed to seeing for the last half decade. But last season's uh, last season for Brown was really a tale of two halves over his first eight games. He was the overall wide receiver five averaging 18.1 fantasy points per game over his last eight games 
the overall wide receiver 44, averaging just 9.5 fantasy points per game. Brown had six games with at least 69 receiving yards, including three 100-yard games in the first half of the season. And from weeks one through seven, he scored six touchdowns. After that point, he didn't score again. His highest receiving total in a single game after week nine was 55 yards. There's, there's, just, there's just so much here that I'm not sure about. And I never viewed Hollywood Brown as somebody who has the skill set to be a true wide receiver one. And once again, he's going to be miscasting that role for six weeks. Then he comes back and he's, a, he's the wide receiver too. And there were still, there were still players that I just like more than him. I, I struggle to see myself in a situation where I would take him unless he really fell in drafts. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I'm kind of in a similar boat. Like I like Hollywood Brown. I think he can play well in this offense. If think of that chemistry kicks in soon, then things will work out. But it's like a whole thing of like once DeAndre Hopkins comes back, if he's going to see that 28 plus percent target share, what's that going to mean for Hollywood Brown? I think the role is there, but when you brought back Zach Ertz, we know that he's going to have a role. Then the thing is, the question is like, what's Rondale Moore going to do in this offense? They got to get him involved here too. So we'll see what happens with Hollywood Brown. I still like him this year. I think other people probably like him a little higher than us. And I think that kind of is a decent segue into our next player. And number 22 in our rank, I'm sorry, number 23 in our rankings is DK Metcalf. For you, he was number 19. For me, it's a bit of a different story as DK Metcalf came in in my rankings as the wide receiver 26. So I am lower on him than I think a lot of people are. Am I wrong in DK Metcalf? Why are you kind of more in consensus? Like what, what's the upside of DK Metcalf in 2022? I'm very, very torn on him and I could easily see myself moving him slightly up or, or way down between now and late August when we get a better idea of what this offense may look like. Uh, talent wise, we know that he can be a top five fantasy receiver. That if, if he had elite quarterback play, we would be ranking him inside the top 10 for sure. It's where he was last year. But with Geno Smith or Drew Lockett quarterback, it's hard to be overly confident. But we're already burying him. He's already been buried by rank in rankings in ADP. This is someone that we know has the talent to be top 10, but we're ranking him outside the top 20 in many regards. We're, we're, already, giving, we're already giving him that, uh, that downgrade. Last season, it was a very small sample size. And Metcalf actually averaged more fantasy points per game with Geno Smith than Russell Wilson. For whatever that's worth, it was he averaged 17.2 fantasy points per game with Geno Smith. Based on where he's being ranked and where he's going, we only need him to be at like 14 to even 15 to be worth it. Unlike Tyler Lockett, Metcalf is an athletic freak and he can make it work with weaker quarterback play, uh, unlike what, what I think Lockett is capable of doing. Metcalf's going to have games where he catches some long touchdowns. I think he's going to be very inconsistent. But if you, but if you, if you can draft him as your wide receiver three and DK Metcalf, I mean, I, I'll, I'll take six, six games or seven games where he pops off for like a like a forty yard touchdown, and the rest, yeah, I'll, I'll deal with it being being boom or bust because that's basically his floor. What if we're wrong and he ends up getting better quarterback play and he has more of those ceiling games or he has more more floor games where the quarterback, whether it's Drew Lock or Geno Smith, just locks in locks into him because that's that's kind of what weaker quarterbacks do is they. they they take the snap and they just look to their number one guy and just, just throw it at him because they don't want to think about it. They can't go through their progressions as well. And and that's why we see when backup quarterbacks come in, sometimes we see the wide receiver one's production kind of, or at least his target share, increase a little bit. So, so perhaps there's a little bit more of upside with DK Metcalf than, than we're giving him credit for. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm i glad Drew Locke is getting another chance. I think he got a bit of a raw deal in Denver, but we'll see who wins out that job. 
because it's still not set in stone that's going to be drug. It might be Geno Smith. And I, I get the idea that you're going to be willing to deal with some more boomer bust games out of DK Metcalf. My thing is you were already having to deal with that with Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf in his career in Seattle, despite finishing as a wide receiver 7-12, and 12, was only a wide receiver 2 or better in just 42% of his games. So half the time he was a wide receiver 2 better, and half the time he was outside the top 25. The volume has always been there, too, and so have been the yards. Last year, he was 7th in the NFL in air yards, even while Tyrell Lockett was 11th. The problem for me was like he was having a hard time converting some of those yards. Only 59% of his air yards were converted into actual receiving yards. So we need a quarterback who's going to be accurate on deeper targets. That's never been Locke's game. Like, if we go back to what he did when he was in Denver, he had 21 games, uh, sorry, 24 games, 21 starts, threw for almost 4,800 yards, 25 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. Let's go back to the 2020 when Locke was starting quarterback, right? Over a 12-game time period, right? The last time Drew Locke was starting quarterback, Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy, while Cordenson was dealing with his ACL tear, only had five weeks combined inside the top 24. That's it. Those two receivers only put up five top 24 finishes. Now going into a new system, I just have a hard time seeing where Metcalf, who's already slightly in boom or bust already, is going to find more consistency with Drew Locke than he did with Russell Wilson. Like maybe I am too low and maybe he can absolutely still be a solid wide receiver in the NFL. Because if he latches on together and those two can get a little bit of chemistry going, we know Locke has the arm to hit DK Metcalf at any point down the field. I just have enough concerns where I'm like maybe a little bit more out of him than some other ones are, but he might absolutely prove to be a value at wide receiver 23, like we have in Arkansas here, and more closer to where you are at number 20, at number 19. Then we get to number 24 here in our rankings, last spot here, and that is Adam Thielen, someone who I think you are just a little bit higher on than I am. Uh, for you, Adam, where was Adam Thielen for you in your rankings? I think he came in right at number 24 for you in yours. He was number 27 in my rankings coming off of the off the injury last year. But I think we're both assuming that, look, Adam Thielen, despite the age, he's going to come back. He's going to be healthy. And there's a good chance he could be that number one red zone target for Kirk Cousins in 2022, while Justin Jefferson will be that number one target. Correct? Yeah, we're both above consensus on Thielen. Uh, you a little less so than me. I'm, I'm pretty high on him. I, I'm just I'm just really I, – I, I think that the age is really what's – what's pushing his ADP down because he's because he's 32 years old. And, and I get that. Which but, is but, old for wide receivers. He is absolutely one of the outliers right now. It is. And 32 is typically when we start to see that that major decline. But remember, Thielen didn't Look really Julio Jones. They do Jones. They do have very different skill sets, though. Guys like Julio Jones, they don't Well, they no, don't I'm not comparing well. the skill sets of the two. I'm I'm comparing the age rates and when yeah, injuries start absolutely. to happen. Absolutely. From, from that regard, I completely agree, and, and that's yes. and that's more of the issue with Julio in general is just the injuries are piling up, and it is possible that that because of Thielen's age, the injuries are going to pile up, and he won't be able to stay on the field. But he still played 13 games last year, and he didn't really break out at all until his age 26 season. So he he's a younger 32 than most, and he averaged 15.4 fantasy points per game in the 13 games he played. I mean, that would be great for your for a low mm-hmm. wide receiver too. That's better than low wide receiver two numbers. If we get that again then Thielen's going to be a value. He scored 24 touchdowns in his last 28 games. That is not a fluke. That is a, there's a deliberate intent by Kirk Cousins to look for Adam Thielen in the end zone. And the Vikings are poised to throw more this season with Mike Zimmer gone replaced with, uh, by Kevin O'Connell, who comes from the Sean McVay coaching tree. We know how McVay likes to throw the ball. And we even heard Justin Jefferson say that this offense is going to throw more. 
That's that's good for Jefferson. It's also good for Thielen. Uh, so so I think that Thielen, if he if his value stays where it is, I'm going to have a lot of him this season. Yeah, I completely understand. I think, he's, like I said, he's going to be that red zone target, and I'm excited to see what this Minnesota team can look like in a more aggressive scheme. That does That is going to be our top 24. We'll kind of wrap things up there, but I think we'll kind of say one more quick thing. The reason I am actually down what you said compared to like DK Metcalf and Adam Thielen is because I am much more bullish on guys like Rashad Bateman and Gabriel Davis than you are. For me, they came in at number 23 and 24 in my personal rankings. For you, they were number 33 and 34. So that is why we see like Adam Thielen and DK Metcalf take a little bit of a step forward. And why you're saying I'm a little lower on guys is because, like I said, Rashad Bateman and Gabriel Davis are two guys I have a little bit higher. Same with like a Darnell Mooney, guys who I'm right there with. I think a Drake London is going to be up there inside my, my top 30. There's just a couple of guys who I like a little bit more. But when we start balancing things out only between like two sets of data, you'll see a couple discrepancies between our own individual rankings. But that is going to do it and wrap up for today's episode of the Premier Fans Football Podcast powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's show, please feel free to leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. It does help. It does greatly help to grow the show, and it is much appreciated. If you want to stay up to date with all the latest going around the league by heading over to ProFootballNetwork.com, where you can find all the analysis covering not only fantasy football, but breaking news from around the league, college football, betting, and the NFL draft. And it is also never too early to start getting in your mock drafts for the 2023 NFL season. If you are a mock drafting degenerate like I am, head on over to profitablenetwork.com forward slash mock draft and jump on the PFN MDS and send us your screenshots of how you think the first round could fall out. You can follow Jason over on Twitter at JasonCats13 and myself at Tommy Garrett PFN over there on the bird. Speaking for Jason, I am Tommy, and we will see you guys next time for another edition of the show.